back, Michael, to UFC Roundup. Holy crap, man. MSG continues to deliver every time the UFC goes to the Big Apple. 295 is in the books. We're back. We're here. We're talking about it. We got some good fan questions this time, guys. Don't forget, please, anytime for UFC Roundup, post your questions. Me and Michael will remind you in a tweet. But, man, dude, let's just get right into it. Tom Aspinall and Alex Pereira delivered in their performances. Dude, I think was the whole main card finishes was the Cody maybe can confirm was every fight on the main card a finish. I'm pretty sure because honestly, the yes. fights got over the fights got over like just before nine o'clock. I was like, no, wait, all before first or second round. He says too. Cause yeah, it was, I'm on the East coast, Michael. So for yeah. me, it's like, Oh man, some of these pay-per-views as great as they are. We, you start to get a little bit like this. This was not one of them. I was like, all right, time for bed. This is this, yeah. thanks guys. This is great. I know, right? Once the main card got over, Kelsey and I actually went and got dinner. We were setting up the condo, and I was like, man, we got enough time. Let's go grab a meal, like a good dinner. Yeah. Like I thought this would go two title fights. I'm thinking, you know, these guys might go the distance a little bit. Uh, one thing I will say, though, Paul, is I got to eat my words because I picked both the main event and the co-main event wrong, and I know I'm going to get absolutely blasted in the comments, <laughs> and I don't give a crap. I don't give a crap. But that hey, card was good job, Michael. That card was amazing. When you talk about Tom Aspinall and Sergey Pavlovich, to hear what Tom Aspinall went through in the short amount of time he had to train, he said he only got to train like a week and a half. He said he pulled his back like yeah. the first week and just could barely train. And I loved what he said about like fighting his fears and that's when he performs his best. And he was very scared of Sergey Pavlovich, but he embraced it. And that's what yeah. fueled him to that moment. And I just love hearing stories like that, man. And, Tom Aspinall, that guy's going to be a big problem for a lot of heavyweights, including the man himself, John Jones, if they ever fight. If they ever fight, and and we'll get into that. And there's a lot, there's a lot going on with that. Dane already saying that Jones and Stipe are still going to be going at it. So then that leaves us open to later on when we do five rounds, kind of discussing, well, what's going to be next for Tom? Where yeah. does he go from here? But I think no matter where he goes from here, I think it's clear that the guy's going to be a star. The guy is truly just an elite heavyweight, maybe maybe one of the fastest heavyweights that we have ever seen. And let me tell you, credit to Tom, he got hit first in that. He fight. did. He got cracked hard one time. He, got he definitely did. he got touched. He got touched, and he took it well. He took it well. And yeah. we're going to talk a lot about co-main event in a little bit too. But I mean, just talk. Let's talk about the stare down before we even get into any. That was a crazy stare down. Um, those two dudes are just they're G's, man, and. It, it, it was one of those tough ones to watch, right? Because we're both fans of Yuri. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely a huge fan of Alex Pereira. Mm -hmm. And we knew somebody was going to have to lose. And we we both knew that it was probably going to be in pretty devastating fashion if if it was going to be those two fighting. And that's how it played out. So it's sad, it's sad to see when two of your favorite fighters have to face off with each other. It's yeah, it was, it was like I was battling my head and my heart. Because my heart yeah. wanted Yuri, but my head was telling me Alex and... I hate those types of situations because when I'm going through that internal battle myself between two fighters, that means I like them both a lot. Um, and obviously we're going to get into the stoppage with Yuri Prochaska, but I love the class. I mean, he is such a class oh. man or in defeat. He's always so respectful to his opponents. Um, you know, and I don't want to say too much because obviously we're going to talk about it in the five rounds, but uh, you know, both guys, just, just tremendous fighters. Alex in just a short amount of time to become the ninth two division champion in the UFC. <clears throat> I mean, I don't think there's ever had, we've never had a guy 
that has had such a surge to the top in such yeah. a short amount of time. It's been like two or three years, and this guy's propelled himself into multiple title fights, walking away with two belts and two, two different belts, weight man. classes. I mean, it's I, I hate to say it, and I, I might get blasted for saying it, but I think this guy's already like has a reason to be in the Hall of Fame for everything he's done in such a short amount of time, and there's still a lot of tread left on the tires. Still a lot of time, old man. This guy's got a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame career ahead of him for sure. And dude, and you also have to consider that he had d- double champ status in what Glory Kickboxing as well. Yes. I think just recently he was inducted into their Hall of Fame. Uh, and, 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 you know, when you think of the story, when you talk about that, he was a, a pretty bad alcoholic youngster working mm. in a tire shop, just no real goal, no real direction in his life. And then to just want to get yourself straight, start kickboxing and then to end up where you're at today. I mean, it truly is just one of the best stories in MMA to date. I'm getting, chill, I'm getting chills thinking about it. The post fight speech when he said like thanking Izzy, like, Thank you for getting me out of that bar and thank you for motivating me and getting me here. Now I want to motivate you to get you back. And well, yeah. I, you know, that's a separate subject in, in itself. I don't really want to see Israel Adesanya and, and, and Alex fight again. I'm sure it'd be exciting, but we got Jamal Hill waiting in the wings. Got a lot of I agree. On. But that post fight speech, man, I was just like, Ooh, it just gave me goosebumps. Like just from what, from what Israel said a few years ago about like, he's just going to be the guy at the bar pointing at the TV. Like, yeah, I beat that guy. I beat that guy. And for him yeah. to say, thank you for getting me out of that bar and getting me here. Like that's, yes. it, that's storybook type of ending shit. So I, I was yeah. very, I was very, there's moved. a movie, there's a movie there. If there's yeah. a movie to be made about an MMA guy. Yeah. Alex there's some good post-fight speeches. I'm sure we're going to talk about Jared's, you know, Benoit St. Denis gave us a, a trip down in history lane. So that, before we, that, that's the thing, before we get into, before we get into five rounds, right? Since we're going to talk co-main and main so much, yeah. let's talk about some of these other fights that were amazing. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, we got to give a huge shout out to my guy, Jared Gordon, went in there, Ooh. absolutely delivered, Damn. man. Was getting touched up a little bit, couldn't seem to deal with the clinch there at MSG. You're talking about a guy who is shooting up, you know, underneath of that building, basically, in subway areas, and now is fighting, uh, in the UFC and, and has had so much bad luck recently that, you know, the, the head, the accidental headbutt with Bobby yeah. green, the, the, Patty fight. the BS decision lost to Patty, yeah. just, Jared, but that's the story of this man's life. Talking about another movie that's got to be made. It's Jared Gordon's life, just, just ups and downs, but he always deals with it. Always has faith, always presses forward. Dude, I sat on the edge of my couch up in my living room. Because then we come downstairs in the basement with the bigger TV as the, the card moves on. But it was still early. We're still feeding the kids and stuff. I'm watching him fight. And I try to just stay, same as I'm watching you or any of my other good friends. I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to lose it. I can't do anything by losing it, right? So I try to yeah. sit. I stay calm. But as soon as he landed, and I'm like telling him, Jared, start jabbing, man. Start jabbing. As soon as he landed those shots, I was. My my poor baby, <laughs> our baby Ruby, didn't know what the hell I was screaming. That's what I'm talking about. Buddy. Let's go. Um, and uh, another one, our, uh, Michael, probably one of my favorite fighters on the roster right now, yeah. and I love saying his name, Ben Wasson. Oh yeah, <laughs> buddy, the dude is a problem. And Mike, we talked about it before we got on. He got on the mic. He had names. He had callouts. He had a history lesson for yeah. us. Well, <laughs> it's a little long winded, but you know what? For him to give him a lot of credit to go to Madison Square Garden, 
fight Matt Frivola, who is a savage in his own right. And we are in Matt Frivola's backyard. That is a pro Matt Frivola crowd. And sometimes that can shake a guy a little bit. But for Benoit, he embraced it. And just to put Matt Frivola away like that just speaks volumes to the level of skill. And when you know how much this guy invests into his training, into his camps, into bringing in the best coaches, the best training partners, doing everything he can to be the best version of himself. I take what he said about how he prepares. I look at his performances and I say, there's no reason why this guy can't be a title contender down the road. He showed on Saturday night, this guy has what it takes to get to the elite of the lightweight division. And if there's anybody that disagrees with me, I don't think you know lick about MMA. Get lost. BSD is going to be a future title contender someday. I agree. I agree. Um, just an awesome main card, top to bottom. Jessica Andrade, yeah, uh, Diego Lopez. I mean, and it, she it, needed that. Andrade needed that. I mean, she did. And dude, a lot of people, I think, counted her out. Right? I think a lot of us didn't think she was going to be. And she, just, she just pieced her up. And but we talked about it. She exposed that if you stand with Jessica Andrade, especially as somebody like Mackenzie Dern. Kickboxing sucks, man. I mean, it just does. I, I hate yeah. to be bashing on anybody, but if you watch that fight, it's it's terrible. It's terrible yeah. kickboxing. Her wrestling is not that. She's an unbelievable jujitsu player, but she's got to close some major gaps if she ever wants to be a contender. Well, and the thing that was also a big problem is Jason Perillo was there, but he was sitting in the stands. Yeah, Like, that's a big problem, you know, and she still had a sense of recklessness to her, but even when she was working with Jason – but if you've ever heard Jason Perillo work a corner, like he does such a good job getting through to his fighters, not to mention the way that he trains them. Look at what he's done with Cheeto Vera. I mean, he's gotten Cheeto Vera to a title fight. I mean, this guy trains world champions. Got Mike Bisping yeah. to a title. So yeah, for whatever her reason is to leave Jason Perillo is beyond me. And I'm not trying hard on McKenzie because she is a world-class jiu-jitsu player. I wouldn't be surprised if I rolled with her in the, in the gi and she choked me out. No shame in my game. Um, she'd probably catch me with a Darce choke. But uh, <laughs> but but she needs to get back together with Jason Perillo. I don't know what went on with their relationship, but get back together with that guy because the holes, the biggest holes in her game, they really came back into the limelight when she fought Jessica Andrade. So yeah. she's, she's got to make those adjustments. I agree. Definitely some adjustments to be made there. But um, with that being said, let, let's get into five rounds. Let's not waste yeah. any more time. We got some good questions from fans, and let's keep them coming, guys. Cody, round one. I'll start with this one. The most intense stare down in the history of the UFC, followed by an amazing display of skill in the main event. What do you think about the stoppage? What's next for Yuri? Is it possible for him to get to a title rematch? Well, first, I'll start off with this, Paul. Hmm. That was a great stare down, but people can't forget about Junior Dos Santos versus Cain Velasquez because Junior Dos mm. Santos used to walk to the center of the octagon. He'd yeah. point to the center of the octagon. Remember when Cain walked out there and met him right in the middle, got nose yeah. to nose with him? I, I, I got to say that one's in first place, but respectfully, you're in Alexis stare down. That's a close second. Um, and for Yuri, he's very young. Time is on his side. He hasn't had a ton of UFC fights. I could see him getting himself back into a title rematch. Um, you know, you get out there with a guy like Anthony Smith, who's available. Uh, a lot of guys at the top of the heap that I think would, would take that Yuri Prohaska fight. He's got the skills, man. I just think that his pride got in the way. You know, his pride got in the way, and, and he started to kind of touch the chin. 
and just got a little overzealous. I think that if you would have stuck to plan A, which I think plan A was how the first round went, let's get the takedown, let's floor this guy. Um, I, maybe this fight would have went different. But when it comes to the stoppage, you look, I don't want to name the referee because this was a private conversation, but there was a referee that is one of the premier referees that we see in the UFC. And he said, there are times when you have to take into consideration who you are officiating. Because yeah. you know there's some guys where if you let the fight go too long, not only will one or two more seconds make them su su like suffer more damage, it could change them for the rest of their life. And you're talking yeah. about a guy in Alex Pereira. You give him a few more seconds like he would have against Izzy in the first fight. You give him a few more seconds, seconds in that first fight with Izzy, Izzy might not be the same. Same thing with yeah. Yuri. I mean, you got to – sometimes these officials have to take into consideration – who they're officiating. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, obviously, yes, the stare down is amongst the greatest of all times. I was watching it here, just, just cracking up, um, enjoying the intensity of both those crazy characters in our sport. Uh, when, when the stoppage first happened, I was like, ah, I, I literally went, ah, I would have liked a few more punches, but you're right. I don't know if I would have liked to see Yuri get hit a few more times because Clearly, when he interviewed afterwards, he seen, didn't seem all that against it, right? Which means he was more out than I think people even realize. And he's a guy that's been knocked out and come back and been, you know, blackout and kind of wake himself back up in fights. But against Alex Pareda, like you said, you, you don't want to be taking shots where you're not quite with it. And he's just hammering down on you from that position of mount. Yeah, that, that Yuri was able to talk on the mic afterwards, is able to do interviews afterwards. That's how I like it. So yeah. at the end of the day, I don't think it was a bad stoppage. And I think moving forward, I absolutely think he can get himself back there someday. Do I think it's deserved to be right away? Absolutely not. I think he no, needs to no, move on. And I like to see who put it in. It's Jamal Hill. Like, I hate it's to interrupt. Be, I agree. It's, it's just Jamal Hill. There's no other fight to be made for Alex Pineda than Jamal Hill. That's the fight to make. I mean, technically, you could say Jamal Hill, you know, still the – He's kind of the uncrowned king, you know. He's he's the guy that left with the undisputed championship. So, um, I mean, just imagine. and I love that fight. Oh, oh now that's a sick fight. Just imagine yeah. though, like had had Mark Goddard not stopped the fight and Alex let him get back to his feet. I mean, dude, it would have not got anything but worse. And it's like you, as much as you want to see these guys, especially in these title fights, like they want to go out on their shield. But you also want to be able to live the rest of your life and be able to, you know, speak clearly, think yeah. clearly, have your wits about you. Go to, <laughs> go to dinner with your freaking family. You know yeah, and Alex Pereira is the guy to punch the wince right out of you and you'll never get him back. Yeah, no. Yeah. Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. Round, Round two. two. Yeah. Do you think Aspinall beats the John Jones we've seen in his last three fights? Hmm. It depends Let's, on which three fights. Are we talking about John Jones's last three fights? Or are we talking about Aspinall's last three fights? I think John Jones's last three fights. Well, if you think about this, he looked great against Cyril Gaon. He didn't look so good against Dominic Reyes. Yeah. You know, and that, that I'm pretty sure that was his last fight before he took a hiatus, correct? Yes. I'm, I'm leaning on Cody for this one. Um, You know... John's reinvented. That's that's just a fact. He has reinvented himself. He is a true heavyweight. I just think um, 
you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I think Tom Aspinall beats John Jones because John Jones is a guy that wherever you are good, he will he will neutralize it and he will move on to something else. The only thing John Jones can't can't neutralize is the speed of Tom Aspinall. He'll never be able to match that speed. John Jones has never been known to be a fast fighter. No, he uses his range. He uses his distance. He uses his wrestling, grappling, and elbows. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I uh, I think he could absolutely. I think Tom Aspinall is that good. But to say that I think you know, there's just too many variables. We don't know now, and now we don't know what John Jones is going to look like coming off of a you know a, a a peck tear like that. And he's going to sit out for how long? When is that steep Bay fight going to be? We may never see that fight happen, unfortunately. Yeah, that's what's sad. I mean, I can understand why the UFC wants to keep that fight together. And it's out of respect for both guys. And you can't say anything otherwise. Like, Stipe deserves that fight because he's Stipe Miocic. He's the all-time winningest heavyweight in terms of, like, title defenses. Yeah. And it's John Jones, you know, and if if John Jones, I'm not saying he can go out there and pick his fights, but what I am saying is he can tell them no, it's I'm fighting Stipe or or, or, or bust. Or, yeah. I, or I just won't fight. I don't have to fight. I'm financially set. I'm doing this for my legacy. So uh, you know, I think that at the end of the day, I think John Jones would find a way to get the job done. But John has said he's only got one or two left in him. And I think that when that time comes and goes, I can see Tom Aspinall sitting atop the heavyweight division for a very long time. I mean, that guy has a wealth of talent. I mean, there's not enough praise I could give Tom Aspinall for that performance that he put on on short notice, dealing with all the adversities we talked about at the top of the show. Um, yeah, I just, it would be John Jones's night. Yeah. And I, I think just because. Jones, Stipe, they're nearing the ends of their careers. I see. I, I agree. I see why. Like they, they want to make that fight. They want to give them a chance to, to, to answer that question on who, who, you know, who's going to win that one first. But yeah, I, I, I just, I think if John beats Stipe, he might be like, all right. I mean, who wants to stick around? <laughs> who wants to stick around? Is a 36, 37 year old guy and fight yeah. Tom Aspen. Like, yeah. dude, young guys. I'm, I'm 35, I'm breaching 36, and I see some of these young guys, and I'm like, oh man. Oh, yeah, I know. Trust <laughs> I'm me. I'm about to get a few in and get the hell out of here. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you on that. I did that. That's exactly what I did. I said, all right, no, yeah, 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 Paul. We all know your key. You did it, and then you're coming back for more. Can't all I did was pee in a cup, Michael. I said that's all I did so far. All I did, my man. I'm back on the bike, man. That's the problem. Once I got back on that bike, I was like, yeah, maybe I don't need to come back anymore. Now I'm riding my bike again. I'm gonna hit a ride round three. Round three. Um, in your opinion, how high is the ceiling for Diego Lopez? Well, we gotta just right off the top look at his UFC debut, Movzar Vloyev. Like yeah. for people that don't know how good Movzar Vloyev is, we've seen his, we've seen him fight. But what a lot of people don't know is Movzar Vloyev's brother is a heavyweight Olympic gold medalist in Greco-Roman wrestling. So you got to think to yourself that, you know, Movzar Vloyev, look who he's wrestling with. He's wrestling with his heavyweight Olympic gold medalist brother. Who's ma that makes him strong. <laughs> that makes him extremely just dense his wrestling's on point and in that ufc debut diego gave him all he could handle and, and paul you train with pat sabatini so you can speak to the level of skill 
that that young guy has. So when you think about that, you knowing Pat Sabatini much better than I do and seeing what Diego Lopez did on Saturday night, what do you think his ceiling is? Yeah, I think he's a contender for sure, man, because Pat Pat is really good, and he was starting to show his striking in that one, and Pat's even better on the ground than he is anywhere else. And, uh, man, he hurt Pat bad. He hurt him bad and then put him away, and he looked good doing it, and he's got that crazy haircut. Uh, he's got attitude. He's got he's he's got charisma. I, I think he's he's fun. I think we're gonna see him crack into the top fifteen and in, in a couple of fights for sure. Wait, wait, where is he at right now? I don't think he's ranked yet. I, I haven't seen it, the new release. That's not ranked either, is he? I don't think so. But I mean, he was pretty dang. I think at one point he might have been kind of at the bottom of the heap before the Damon Jackson fight. Yeah, uh, I've trained with Diego Lopez a little bit um, at Syndicate and. For a 45, I mean, the kid is scrappy. He's game. Like, he, he's the type of kid that's like, it doesn't matter how big you are. He's yeah. going to come after you hard. So, um, and I just loved that sequence when he shuts Pat's wrestling off, turns the corner, and just lands that really nice, I think it was a right hand. It was a right Greatest, hand. Greatest Pat was coming up, just kind of right behind the ear. Just a well-placed shot within transition. Yeah, um, yeah and, and the crazy thing is, is this guy came on the scene as a grappler. Like, this guy yeah. was literally purely a grappler as he made his way up and he's got a lot of fights. So for him to now show he's a dual threat on the feet and on the ground, I mean, the ceilings, you know, the ceilings very high for this young man. It'll be interesting to see what he does at 140. And people like him, man. You see people like the UFC can promote people were putting his haircut on all these other fighters. Like, you know what I mean? He's got, yeah. he's got his niche. He's got his way in and he's exciting and fun to watch every single time. That was also a sad uh, moment for me though, as much as I have no problems with Diego Lopez. I'm a fan yeah. other than when he's fighting. My guy, Pat Sabatini, that one was like, ugh. The only downside to Diego Lopez is I'm not a huge fan of the tattoo. I mean, we, I think everybody that's got multiple tattoos can say they have one bad tattoo. And with all due to respect, Diego Lopez, please don't, please don't knock me out when you see me. <laughs> the, the, the make your dreams come true or whatever the hell it says across his chest. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Kind of falls... Uh, like if 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 there if if uh, Darren Elkins's tattoo is at the top of the list for worst tattoo, I think Diego's like bottom of bottom like bottom of the top ten. Jamal Jamal Hill's got some bad tattoos too. <laughs> so does Brock Lesnar. We can do a whole, we do a whole roundup segment on that. Of, I hate the fact that I have my tattoo on my back. That is a douchebag move from when I was a kid. I was like, everyone needs to know who I am. I was like, yeah, skinny little skateboard twerp, dude. What the hell are you yeah. talking about? Classic, classic, classic <laughs> stupid teenage move right there. Yeah, you know, what can you say? Uh, round, round four. four. That's oh. what we can say. Yeah, that's what we can say. Get round four. Know, right Jared Gordon followed up an incredible... Ah, oh, it's House Cat who watches MMA, of course. I think we missed it last time we were on. Jared Gordon followed up an incredible KO with an even more inspirational, heartfelt, and personal speech. How hard is it to be that articulate in moments of extreme adrenaline? Have you ever have either of you planned a speech but forgot it and just yeah, buddy, or something? <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, guys. By the way, I'm dealing with strep throat right now, so this is <clears throat> this has been a challenge. Um, house cat, I have never planned out a written speech or anything of that sort because I was always very superstitious about my fights, and if I thought about what I was going to do for when I won, I always felt like that was being uh, like jinxing myself. Yeah. Uh, I never really had a problem having something to say that if you've got, I know, you know, obviously we're doing roundup. I do color commentary. I was an actor when I was in college. So 
talking in front of a crowd has never really been the issue for me. Um, so that was never a problem, but I, ne I never thought of it ahead of time or anything like that. But I did think of things that I would want to say, like if somebody in my family was going through something or if there was something that I wanted to mention, like personally, you know, that was on my mind, but I never thought exactly how I would say it. Yeah, that's kind of the same for me. I, I usually plan like my call outs. I would always kind of like I would yeah. always like to have a name in mind. And I never thought that the, I never thought that to be a bad thing like. Hey, I'm trying to I'm trying to plan my road to a title fight. So with each fight, as I'm preparing for one guy and my confidence is at an all time high and I'm feeling like, OK, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to beat Jim Miller. I got this one in the bank. Who, who do I want to fight next? Because I got to tell the fans there's no more important time as a fighter to get the next fight you want than when you have that microphone in your hand. You, I can't I can't reiterate it enough that when a fighter takes the mic after they win and just says, Oh, I'll fight anybody in the top 15 or I'm just here to fight whoever they tell me to. That is a waste of the most precious amount of time when you can get whatever you want. There has never been a fight that I have asked for aside from Colby Covington where I didn't get it. I asked for Jim Miller. I asked or I didn't ask for Jim Miller. I asked for Benil Darius. I asked for Tony Ferguson. Those are fights that I got. The only uh, scripted thing, I've, there's only one time when I've ever actually tried to like not script it out, but like, my coaches are like, hey, they're like, hey, you're fighting Neil Magny on inauguration day. Like, this is the time to call out Colby Covington because it's like, you know, Joe Biden's get elected in office. And I hit the whole like, you know, hey, you know, Colby, your stick is done or whatever the hell I said, you know, because it's inauguration day. Um, yeah, that was like the only time I planned something out. And just because I said something about Joe Biden, I don't need any of the Trumpers in the comments coming <laughs> at me hard. I'm not speaking my political views or nothing like that. I was just sit, trying to do whatever I could do to get a shot at Colby Covington. Didn't work, but it was still a decent post-fight speech. You got to do what you got to do, man. Got to do try. what you got to do. Right. Round five. Round five, Cody. Uh, okay. Who would win in a steering contest between Alex Pereira and the booger-eating kid from across the street that was always in your business. Well, I have a funny story about this. And I'm going to give this kid some shine. And I doubt he watches this, but there was a kid that lived across the street from me named Josh Hutchison. And Paul, I probably have like a 150-0 record against him because he would talk shit across the street. He'd throw rocks at me. And I'd be like, screw this. I'm going to go kick this kid's ass. So I would like have to run across the street and like dodge these rocks he's throwing at me. And have to get in there and kind of piece him up a little bit. And this is when I was very young. Um, and if I could beat up Josh Hutchinson with my hands, <laughs> yeah, there's no limits of what Alex Pereira would do. <laughs> no. And I think Alex Pereira would win a staring contest against a rock. Right? In the wall. Oh, or man. If could you, you paint his eyeballs on the wall, he would win that staring contest. So imagine like him staring down like Kane Velasquez or like a JDS, like the guys I brought. Alex Pereira would make a mannequin blink, Michael. <laughs> okay. That speaks a lot. Yeah. That says so, a lot. I, I think it's safe to say he's winning any oh, and man. all staring contests. Um, yeah. So I, that's, I I didn't read the question right. I thought you were talking fights. I was like, oh man, Alex no, Pereira, Sarah, Josh, yeah. Hutchinson, Josh Hutchinson. He's, def he's definitely <laughs> winning the fight against the, the <laughs> booger eating kid across the street. That's for <laughs> that's, sure. That's uh, that's you know, that's against the law. But um, yeah, for sure. All right, next episode, uh, we will 296? preview two ninety six. Yeah. Um, who? When is that? 
that would be December 16th. 16th. Is that Colby and Leon? Colby and Leon. Uh, Alexandra Pantoja. I think I just said his first ah, name. Ah, yeah. yeah. Pantoja yeah, yeah. versus um, Roy Vall. That fight will probably last about 30 seconds because Brandon Roy Vall is just a wild man. It's just he like, man, get out of there. Yeah. Killer be killed, you know. A lot of good fights. Oh, Ian Gary versus Vicente Luque. Shavkat Rachmanov versus uh, oh. Thompson. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's good card. Just, good card. Once again, you're like, oh, it doesn't get better than MSG. And then you look ahead to 296 and you're like, holy crap. Like, I know. It's crazy. It felt like that yeah. Leon and Colby fight was never going to happen. And now it's right around the corner. So we will be back to talk that. Uh, yeah. Until then, guys, remember, we'll put a tweet out, but feel free, post your questions. Doesn't have to be about the pay-per-view we're talking about can be some fun stuff to remember about sandwiches in a while. I haven't talked sandwiches in a yeah, while. Yeah, guys, next for the preview preview of UFC 296, can we get some sandwich questions? Maybe me and you should get more. some sandwiches for the next preview, Michael. I think we should get some sandwiches for the next preview. I'll get a good Philly sandwich yeah. and you get something from the Washington area, okay? Done done deal. Done. All right, guys, get your sandwiches ready. 296 is around the corner. Leon and Colby are finally fighting. Peace. Peace.